All right. Sit down, sit down. <laughs> love it, love it. Hey, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. My name's Glenn. I get the joy of serving as one of the pastors here and get to bring the Word of God this morning. And um, man, uh, that time of worship this morning was special. I don't know about you, but I love uh, when we switch things up. And the thing I'm hearing most in the room is the chorus of voices around me. Uh, it's a beautiful thing, an expression coming from many different people who have different walks of life and have experienced the grace of Jesus in a million different ways and are singing all in one accord uh, for his glory. I think it's amazing. Um, it's a really, really good time to be a part of our church right now, if you can tell from, from what Roy was talking about. Uh, man, I, I, I am going to step us back kind of collectively this morning. If you're new with us, I feel like I'm echoing really a lot right now. Is that true? Sound okay? Okay. Our normal mode of operation as a church is to go through uh, books of the Bible. Um, so we started the book of Genesis. I'm going to talk a little quieter because I feel like it's really loud right now. So this is to serve you, okay? Um, we started back in Genesis going through, uh, January, excuse me, going through Genesis. And, and we literally have been preaching through Genesis all the way till now. We just start in chapter one and we go till we're done. Uh, we'll conclude Genesis in probably another month and then move on to another book of the Bible. And um, Now is a better time than any with uh, school back in session. And uh, the fall semester has begun. I'm going to be that guy and say it. Summer is slowly coming to an end. Collective sigh, boo. Yeah, those of you in the room who are like, I can't wait for fall and winter, you need help, okay? So... <laughs> Um, the rest of us are suffering from like seasonal affective disorder while you're just in a happy place. And um, so, listen, we're about to celebrate three years. Roy mentioned it. We, we launched our church at the most strategic time you possibly could, right in the middle of a global pandemic. And uh, it was September of 2020. We're, we're about three years in now. And uh, we have so many things to be thankful for. Look at the facility around you. Um, God has provided. I, I think of just a couple of weeks ago, we baptized 11 people from our church family at the summer baptism celebration. It was amazing. Uh, just last week, I, I wasn't able to be in here. Um, I was with our CLB 101 class, and we had a dozen people who were saying, we love what God's doing here. We're excited to partner with this church. What can we do to serve? Uh, and I was so encouraged by that. And, and listen, there's also, I, I've been hearing things, okay? And in the last couple weeks, two adults, to my knowledge, maybe more, have bowed their knee to Jesus and given their life to him. Salvation is in our midst, y'all. Like, people, is, people are being saved. Jesus is seeking and saving the lost. And um, while there's a lot of good stuff that's happening, I think that as a church is growing or maturing, we really feel like uh, there's one question that we need to be asking, and it's a question we need to circle back to every year. It's a question that maybe not many of us are asking. Uh, I wonder if it's a, a question that intimidates us or it has the potential to take a shot across our pride as a church. Um, it's a question that I think we would all be a little bit nervous to admit that we don't have the answer to maybe, or it's a question that uh, we're just, we don't have the courage to ask. Here's the thing. The question I wanna ask this morning 
Every endeavor, every ministry, every event of CLB hinges on this. And the answer to this question teaches us what thrives, what makes our church thrive and survive out into the future. The answer to this question teaches us how people who don't know Jesus right now will come to know him. The answer to this question is going to show us how a community like ours can change, how families can change from generation to generation, how the gospel message of really good news that God forgives sinners and gives new life, imparts his life to them, and gives them a new heart and a new mind and a new eternity, reaches dark and hidden places. The answer is everything. Listen now to the final words of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. Chapter 28, starting in verse 18. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The Great Commission is what that is called. And that calling, that commission from Jesus, I just want to say it out loud, has not changed. Jesus has not come and altered that. He's not recanted that. It still stands. And so here's the question. How are we, not just this as an organization and a brand, how are we making disciples? A disciple, if you wonder what is a disciple, that's a weird phrase maybe. It's simply a learner or an apprentice. So if I phrase the question in another way, it would be how are we forming people who are following Jesus and becoming more like him. Here's the truth. Jesus doesn't really measure churches, like the attendance of the church, who shows up on a Sunday morning, the budget of a church, right? Uh, The building of a church. Jesus doesn't measure a church. Jesus weighs a church. He weighs the church. He's asking the question to us, Do you love me? What is the degree of your love for your neighbor? He's weighing the ways that our our character is changing and the ways we're being transformed as people and the ways we're different today than we were a year ago, the ways we look more and more like him and his image is being restored in us than it was a year ago. City Light, he's still asking us, are you making disciples? And so here's what I pray for our vision. It's that we would make Jesus' final words our first work. Here's what I long for, that let's make CLB a disciple-making beast. Come on, y'all. Let's make CLB a disciple-making beast. This is the call of the church, and so I want you to pray with me. Father, here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Holy Spirit, tear the roof off of this place. Draw near. Come close. I love that you tell us, come to me. Jesus, you don't say, come to church. You say, come to me. Come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. 
You've already spoken your great commission over us, God. Our commitment right now, no matter what we bring with us in here, we lay those burdens down and we say, God, you have our ears. We are listening. You are our God and we are your people. You are our shepherd. Jesus, lead us, guide us, convict and comfort us in your name we pray. Amen. So the, the season's about to start, so I'll give a very timely illustration. Um, I want you right now to consider a football. I want you to just think of football. What comes to mind when you think football? You know, for me, when I think of a football, I think of playing catch with my dad and my brother growing up. Uh, still to this day, whenever we're together, if there's a football around, we're slinging it. And I think of, uh, you know, backyard football games with my extended family at Thanksgiving. I think of flag football that I played in college uh, very poorly and, and all of the above, right? Uh, when Roy thinks of football, he thinks of a father who saw incredible potential in his son and pushed him really hard to be an elite athlete who would have high expectations coming out of high school. Um, when I think of football, I think uh, maybe just like you, college games uh, on Saturday, pro games on Sunday, uh, from the couch, watching TV. When Roy thinks of football, he's thinking of strength training. He's thinking hours and hours of film. He's thinking um, blood, sweat, and tears, and, and, and working on relationships with his teammates so that come game day, he can perform in front of thousands of fans. It's a little bit different, right? Um, maybe you, when you think football, you think fun, entertaining. I'm putting together my, my fantasy roster right now. Roy Hellu thinks of getting hit by a bus over and over and over again <laughs> and a new hip at age 30, okay? Uh, right now, nowadays, when Roy thinks of football, he thinks of the, the Las Vegas Raiders. When I think of football, I think of the far superior Kansas City Chiefs. Where are my dogs at? <laughs> We are looking at the exact same thing, but we are seeing totally different things. Our definition is completely different. Are you following me? So it is with disciple making in our churches. Every church, to a degree, is going to talk it, preach it, repeat it, put it on their website. But we're all looking at it thinking of different things because whether we've never been involved in church, we've never even heard the term discipleship, we've thought, what's a disciple, we're just new to all this, or we've been a part of seven different churches over the course of the last 20 years, every one of them with a unique vision on how to make disciples. We would serve ourselves and the health of our church if we just had a, a shared definition of what is disciple making. Because if, if disciple making is just kind of everything we do, then it's, it's kind of nothing. Does that make sense? Like if, if disciple making is just everything, it kind of loses its meaning in the process. Here's what our shared definition is at CLB. It's really, really complicated. It's intentionally entering into someone's life to help them know and follow Jesus and teaching them to obey his commands. Simple. Everyone take a, a deep breath in. Breathe out. This is the Great Commission. We are a Great Commission church. No matter what happens in our church, this is our calling, each of us, not the paid professionals, not just the ones who are varsity and have great leadership giftings. Every one of us is called to participate in disciple 
making. And look, I'm going to make this really easy for us. Um, we're not here as a church to reinvent the wheel. We're not smarter than, than the early church, the, the very first church that received the Holy Spirit's outpouring at Pentecost and began to explode in fruitfulness and growth. God gives us a picture of the early church and, and shows us in the, the well-known, well-worn text of Acts chapter 2 what we ought to be busy doing as the body of Christ. Can, can you read that with me? Open up your Bible, whatever it looks like, and follow along on the screen. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. They devoted themselves. Devoted. Let me just stop right there. Devoted. They didn't just do it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, that's the word, and fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe or even fear, just an amazement, a humility before God and who he really is, came upon every soul. And signs and wonders were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. Are you, are you dreaming with me right now? Please do. Please do. Please like, come with me here and, and think about this being increasingly our reality. Verse 45, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Do you wonder why? It's because they had everything they could ever dream of in Christ. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. <laughs> and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I love that text. I love that text because it is not just descriptive of a different time and a different place. Oh, that worked for them. Y'all, it's prescriptive, it's a pattern that God wants his church to follow until Jesus returns again. And, and listen, he makes it so simple for us. There's a, there's a really important distinction in this between what we do and what we devote ourselves to and what God does. What we do, our part in the mission of God and what God does. Let me show you what we do. We devote ourselves to a few habits. We prioritize gathering, being together. We prioritize opening the word of God praying, and serving others with generosity. What does God do? As a result, awe comes upon us. We fall deeper in love with who God is and his work in the world and the story he's writing and the fact that it's our story and we all get to play a role in it. Awe. The Holy Spirit works miracles and moves in power. There's gladness and thanksgiving. Get this, there's favor in the eyes of our neighbors. There's people who look into our lives and say, man, there's joy there. There's peace there. There's confidence and assurance there. There's hope there. Not only that, but God adds to their number, which has been our story. So this teaches us a really important lesson. Here it is. Um, Roy mentioned it earlier. We love, we love Sundays. We prioritize Sundays. The assembly of God's people this space for us to gather. Think of the people who aren't in this room right now. Your children and mine are being taught about Jesus from the book of Ephesians right now. There's seeds that are being sown. We get to worship God together in song, and he inhabits the praise of his people. At 8 a.m. on Sunday mornings in room 120, there's a group of people praying, interceding, asking God, speak to us, lead our church. There's nothing like it. Gathering together is amazing. It's, it's beautiful. It's where we experience the sacraments. 
We get to baptize people. We get to take the Lord's Supper and come to the table together and be reminded of the sacrifice of Jesus. There's nothing like the assembly of God's people, but it's limited. It's, it's, it's really half, if you will, of the equation. It's the body of Christ not in its fullness. Why? Well, I want to use research and, 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 and the science of learning to just show this to you. Show you how the word of God and our modern research on learning actually just, they're not exclusive to one another. Um, this, this situation right here is built on a lecture format. What is happening right now? I'm talking, you're listening, right? Um, there's always a preacher up here. We're speaking, we're teaching, we're encouraging, we're exhorting. You sit there and you listen and you take it in. And unfortunately, the lecture format really carries with it a super low retention rate. Like, think about this. You hear a word here on a Sunday morning, and you got tears. I mean, the Holy Spirit just moved in power and taught you something new, convicted you of something, led you to say, I'm going to change that. God, give me strength. And then a few weeks later, somebody asks you what the sermon topic was, what was the text, how's that been applied to your life. And it hasn't necessarily changed anything in your life, but boy, did it convict you. Boy, did it, was it powerful. Boy, was it convicting that you went and told your spouse, like, that hit me at home today. But has it actually been retained? Has it sunk deep from head to heart? And has it become embodied in our lives? Has it actually changed us from being people who attend and sit and listen to being a people who hear the word of God and live and obey as disciples of Jesus? That, that's, that's what we want to happen. And what I don't want to do is say, hey, there, like, there's really low retention rate. We don't need the preaching of the word. Absolutely, we need to herald the gospel and teach the word of God in season and out. It's a high priority in our church. But the reason we don't really retain that much is because a lecture format gives you 5% of retaining. Um, let me just show you the results of the research from the National Training Lab Institute. Uh, hopefully we can throw it up on the screen. There's a, a, a pyramid. I, am I standing in the way? Hey, look at this. <laughs> that didn't help. I'm just going to roll with it. <laughs> That's actually the one I want you to see the most. But anyways, um, we only retain 5% of what's taught on Sundays. And so, I, City Light, I want us to think about it like this. Um, do we really want to be 5% disciples who are busy passively experiencing 5% of what Jesus Christ died and rose again and purchased for us in this life. Check this out. Actively discussing something brings that all the way up to 50% retention. Practicing things together brings us to 75%. Teaching others brings us to 90%, okay? Are you, you understand where I'm going with this? Can you picture, I wonder where he's headed, I don't know. Uh, listen, if this is how God has wired us to grow, this is how he's made us as people to learn, isn't it time that we didn't just attend, but we participated? Isn't it time we put ourselves in more spaces and environments where we can encounter God through God's people together beyond Sundays? Isn't it time we were that kind of church? We cannot keep going and living on a 5% diet, y'all. That's not going to sustain the kind of life that a spirit-filled Christian has been purchased and set apart to live all by God's grace. 
God has so much more for us. And while there are many ways to serve in our church, there are many needs in our church. And I encourage you, please be most like Christ when you serve. The primary vehicles through which we do disciple making here are city groups and huddles. City groups and huddles. Maybe you've heard us talk about them before and you think, yeah, I kind of vaguely understand what that is, what that's about. What I want to do this morning is I want to bring clarity to you. I actually want to define what they are. I want to let you know, if you were to be a part of one, what will you actually experience? And I want to encourage us along the way. So here's a city group. A city group is a co-ed group of 10 to 20 that meets to build friendships by discussing God's word, praying, and serving together. Very, very novel, yes? Really genius that we would think of doing that uh, with our influence coming from Acts chapter 2. You know, uh, here's an item in, in our city with me and Kate at our, at our house. Over the course of an hour or two, we will share stories of God's grace, and people will share testimonies of what God's doing in their life. The bulk of our time will open up the Bible and interpret it and apply it to our lives, and then we spend time praying and thanking God and, and praying for one another. That's it. And, and by the time it's done, every time, it, it's so filling. There's just something about being made for more than isolation. There's something about God making you to be knit together with other people, even who are so different from you. And just to share those moments together, um, many people in this room would raise their hand and say, yeah, that's changed my life, uh, just being in that kind of environment. You know what else we build into our city groups is we build in a prayer night. You know, so at one point we'll, we'll ditch the Bible study and we will have a night where we, we, we teach like all the ways that God has shown us in his word to pray and interact with him and, and walk with him and talk with him. And we'll have uninterrupted time where we, we practice that together. Um, I've never watched anyone walk away from that time of, of quiet stillness, journaling, writing, praying. First of all, most people that do it have never done it before. And second of all, most people who walk away from it say, can we do that every time? Like, that, I needed that. I had no idea how much I needed that. And that's what God made us for. We serve together. Our group goes down to Open Door Mission. There's nothing like considering the needs of others more significant than your own. That is when Christ is most alive in us. Um, we have a, a freedom night where a lot of our groups will split men and women for just one night to create one space that many people maybe have not experienced before. Maybe you're walking into this church, you, or, or you would walk into a small group in our church and you carry shame and, and guilt. And there is just stuff in your life that you're desperate for help, uh, you have addiction, and you wonder if people really knew who I was would they still receive me? And I just want to speak on behalf of our church and say, in the name of Jesus, yes, yes. A night of freedom is a night where perhaps for the first time you can open up about some of those things. It's a safe place where you can be surrounded by peers in Christ and say, here's where I'm stuck. Here's the attitude that's got a grip on me. Here's where Satan has a foothold in my life. And I need help, I need encouragement, I need prayer. This is all a city group is. It's practicing some of the same old things over and over again and really just making space, getting out of God's way for the Holy Spirit to minister to one another. You know, it really doesn't come down to how special any of the leaders are. It doesn't come down to how great and engaged the people are. Those are factors, yes, that I'll talk about. But listen, it's a yes that people give to God together. And he always works and moves. 
Um, countless times I've had people walk into our home who they, they're not coming in wanting to experience anything more from God. Uh, they've had a long day, a busy week. Uh, their face says it all, like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm tired. I'm kind of angry. And by the time the night is done, they're sitting in the middle of the room crying, and everyone's hands are on them, praying over them, and they're leaving filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. Stir it up because the people of God rallied around them. This is just one picture. That's a city group. Maybe you're here in our church and you're somebody disconnected and you know you'd benefit from just a couple other people, like two other guys, two other girls maybe that you'd want to meet with. You said, you know what, I could actually, uh, I could spare an hour, hour and a half, whatever, once a week at a time that works best for us. And I just, I need to accelerate my walk with Jesus. And if I knew that was available, I would do that. That's why our church, just as much as we cherish city groups, we cherish huddles. If you don't know what a huddle is, um, first of all, you don't have to be in a city group at City Light Bennington to start and be a part of a huddle. Um, By definition, a huddle is a gender-specific group of three that meets weekly to grow in disciple-making through transferable spiritual habits. Um, In a huddle, you'll be challenged to really pay attention to God's grace in your life and celebrate the work of God. In a huddle, um, you're going to be challenged to do some work on your own time. Uh, to actually become a self-feeder of God's word and come in and, and, and there's a mutual teaching and encouragement that's happening in that environment. You know, in a huddle, you'll be challenged to be honest and confess where you're stuck in following Jesus. Um, that's what a huddle's designed for. Here's the bottom line. Okay, why am I going to all these lengths? Like the 5%, the 5% thing's working right now. Higher retention right now, everybody. Come on, come on. The bottom line is this. The best kind of discipleship, the best kind of disciple-making is the kind that we do. Many of us right now in no way are engaged in this. We're not participating in this. And I'm not here to shame or blame you. I'm here to let you know you're missing out. There is so much more for you God has designed that is met in the context, in the context of Christian fellowship and community. You're not made to be a rogue Christian and do this alone. You're made to walk with other people. And don't just take my word for it, Okay. Um, I want to invite some friends of mine up here uh, who have been a part of city groups. And if you all could give it up for Alex and Rachel Metzke. So these are, these are dear friends, me and Kate. Yeah, wow. Give it up for their color scheming. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, so just so you guys know, uh, Alex and Rachel have been a part of our church uh, since, since day one. And I do just want to show honor before we jump into this. Um, Alex, you do a million things behind the scenes that nobody in our church sees, taking and, and bringing a trailer. Um, I feel like you've, you know, you've made a cross for us that we've used for Easter. Rachel, you've served countless times in kids and ministered to children at the expense of being in this room with us. And so we just want to say thank you guys. It matters. Um, what I want to ask you to do is introduce yourselves. We know your name, but what's your family makeup? Uh, what do you guys do? Uh, I'm Alex Metzke. And I'm Rachel Metzke. Um, so our family is uh, three kids. Riley, who's our oldest. Uh, she's in second grade. Nolan, who's going to be starting kindergarten. Preschool. Well, no, I was going to say <laughs> ne- not next year, but the year after. And then well, preschool is a wide range. It's like three to five. So I was trying to narrow it down. And then, and then Bodie, who's one. And then I do, I'm a mechanical engineer. And Rachel. I stay at home and I do real estate. What, so what compelled you guys 
to join a city group in our church when you first decided to jump in? So we, we kind of really started regularly going to church like four or five years ago. Um, and that was kind of before, well, that might have been like six or seven years ago. And then we moved to Seattle, but right before we moved to Seattle, uh, we heard uh, a previous pastor talk about being a Christian ninja, and Roy just said, like, the frozen chosen. Uh, and that was kind of like, oh, we're just going to church on Sundays, and that's it. Like, our lives are totally different. Like, yeah, our weekends, you know, that's church, but then, like, outside of that, it's kind of nothing, right? So you kind of have, like, your two separate lives. And we, and so from that, we started kind of, like, okay, like, go to groups, meet, meet people in the church, like, actually know people, because we'd show up Sundays, yeah. and then we would, you know, we'd get to know some people that, you sit in the same seats every time, so you, you know, kind of know the names of the people that sit around you, but that was kind of it. Yeah. Um, and so just an opportunity to just know people, like, get to, get to meet people, um, and blend those two lives, like, friends and church were separate, and now they're, they're on. kind of one. That's good, that's good. What happened when you guys did join a city group? Well, made a lot of friends, for one. Um, yeah, and I mean, you kind of get siloed, like, oh, how's God moving in my life? Like, what's he doing here? But when you're in a group, you see how he's moving in everybody's life. You, you get to know the character of God because you can see him working not just, like, in your very specific thing that you're doing, but in everybody's lives. He, he's, he's bigger than just, like, oh, yeah, he's, you know, answered our prayers here, but then you see, like, all of the other prayers wow. answered. You see all the... Um, just the things he's doing changing people's lives. Yep. Rachel, what about you? Yeah, well, I was going to say... Wow, what a wow. servant. Holding wow. the mic for her. That was really close. Um, I was just going to say, actually, like, he's an extrovert and I'm an introvert, so he was all like, yeah, let's join a church group. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, okay. We're going to be so vulnerable <laughs> with each other. And he had to, like, drag me to the first one. I, like, broke out in hives, like, oh, my gosh, this is so scary. But, like, fast forward two years later, it has been, like, such a blessing to us because not only just, like for like me as a mom and newly in our marriage too, just having other girls walk in faith with me and yeah. also like motherhood and being a wife and being able to like be there for one another, praying for one another yeah. and just like it's hard. And so having that support system and prayer has been such a blessing for me. Come on. How has this changed y'all's view of the church? Um, well, I remember, so you texted us on Friday about, hey, you guys mind if you, you come up here? And I was like, okay, sure. And then, I, so I was like, my brain works with the Bible and, and verses and what I remember and what I don't is just, uh, oh, that verse that like, if you, have Je if you have Jesus in common, you have everything in common. So mm -hmm. I had to go look it up and it was obviously Acts 2, uh, 42 <laughs> to 47. It's like for all those who believed had everything in common. Yeah. Uh, and that was kind of, for me, like my view of like, I mean, he, right up there told you like, I mean, you either believe what the Bible says or you don't. And it, it tells you like, hey, like basically make friends, like follow with one another, invite people yeah. over, go to church together, like love one another. Um, and it just really kind of helped like me, you know, church isn't just like Sundays. Like it's not that. And that was kind of where we started. It's like, yeah, Sundays is great, but like I've grown so much more in just talking to guys on Friday mornings. Um, you know, our groups on Wednesdays or Tuesday nights. Uh, and, you know, it's been, instead of just like, you know, God, I'm, you know, hearing your word on one day, now I'm hearing it three days, which, you know, and then you're, mm. you know, reading aside from that, right? So he's a part of your life, not just like a weekend. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, for me, it's just like just coming and feeling like we're a part of a family versus just going so to church good. on Sunday. Yes. And I, it's just, I never thought I would wake up and like be excited to go to church and be super bummed if we have to miss. Because like, <laughs> it's so fun just seeing everyone that you feels like a family and just like, hey, how is your week? I prayed, yeah. we prayed in our group on Tuesday. How's this going? So it's been a blessing yep. for us. So. Last question for y'all is would you ever, this is just for the people that are here, would you ever go back to not being a part of city group or huddle and just showing up on Sundays? It, like days, if we like go out of town, it feels weird to, you know, go a week without it uh, yeah. really anymore. So I don't, yeah, I don't imagine that. I mean, we had, we were in a group that, you know, went on Wednesday nights and it's like, okay, well now we have something on Wednesday nights. So we just found another group to yep. go to, yep. right? Like it's, we're all, you know, part of the same church. And um, like Rachel was saying, like, just to come in and be, you know, like when you get to know people, whether it's in the church family, like, it's just, you, it brings so much joy to like, oh, hey, how's it going? Like, how did this thing go that we talked about last week or, yep. um, and so, yeah, just being a part of a family and I, you know, it's, it, it'd be tough to leave, leave a family, right? Come on, man. That's good. It would be really tough. It has helped, I feel like us in our walk with the Lord and, um, just growing our marriage more and like our friendships more and, I don't know what I do because now we have like Bachelor Mondays with some of the girls. And so like, I would be really, oh, sorry. And Christmas parties and all that stuff. <laughs> It'd be really sad to leave. Yeah. Well, we want to say thank you guys for just bearing testimony. The people you're talking to in the room are people who have been a part of a city group and just need to be reminded of why it's been a great choice. Um, but also people here in the room who have not uh, ever been a part of something like that and they're hearing firsthand uh, from a busy young family at that, uh, all the benefits of it. So thank you for coming up here with me. Give it up for them. Hey, on that note, if you are a city group or huddle leader, can I invite you to stand? If you're a city group or a huddle leader, I want to invite you to stand. Come on. Can we give it up for these? Stay standing. Stay standing. Give it up for them. Stay standing. Stay standing. The headings were listening. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we honor you. You are precious to our church. Thank you that your, your leadership has been uh, one of love, a labor of love. You know, uh, leading a huddle or a city group, it, you're doing two things. Number one is you're making an invitation for people uh, toward relationship. And that immediately uh, includes sacrifice on your part and hospitality on your part. You know, hospitality church is not just making your living room clean. Hospitality is a lifestyle of creating margin and space with the expectation that God will use you to minister to people who are in brokenness and need and help. And um, we just, we want to honor you and say thank you for the sacrifices that you make. And as you're seated, uh, I want to invite everyone to get uh, your phones out. Go ahead and sit down, city group leaders. Thank you so much. Uh, if you get your phone out, I know you're like, dude, this guy wants me checking Facebook right now. It's worth the risk. It's worth the risk. I want to invite us as a church to do something that's kind of unique. I want you to go to your alarm on your phone. And I want to invite us into a, an alarm um, that we can all uh, commit to praying together. 
Um, if you don't do it right now in this moment, I pray the Holy Spirit convicts you sometime later today and you get your phone out and you set this alarm. Um, let me give you context here. Luke chapter 10, verse 2. Jesus is sending out disciples and here's what he says. The harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he might raise up laborers who will go out into his harvest. We are praying as a church for 20 more city group leaders over the course of the next year. We're asking God to provide 20 more people who feel that nudge of it's time to open our home. It's time to participate in disciple making in this way. Um, and if that's something that maybe God is stirring up in you, uh, I just I want to say a few things um, before we close this morning. If it hasn't been clear, you have, have stepped into a church with disciple making as a priority. Uh, this is not something that we kind of have on the back burner, uh, but it, it is who we are. And so I want to ask, what is your next step? And I understand the application of what we're talking about here is as varied as the people in the room. Um, there is a diversity uh, of how the Holy Spirit's going to minister to each of you personally and what you might do next. And so I just want to give you some things that you could pray about, okay? Uh, number one is if you're a person in the room and you're actually not yet a Christian, you have not made the conscious decision to bow your knee to Jesus Christ, to believe that he is God, that he does love you, that he does want to forgive your sin debt and that he paid it all on the cross as a sacrifice in your place. That you're, you haven't yet transferred ownership of your life from you sitting on the throne, leading it, to Jesus sitting on the throne and leading it. Um, you've, you've not yet turned from sin and received life everlasting. That's your first step. That's the only thing we want you thinking and praying about. Um, become a disciple of Jesus. Make the decision. Would you choose to follow Jesus today? And if that's you and you're someone in the room, that that's, that's the first step you want to take. Would you find one of the pastors afterwards this morning and have a conversation with us about that? We'd love to pray with you. Number two is maybe you're new to our church and all of this that we're talking about is overwhelming. Can we just admit that? Some of you are like, dude, you've been talking this whole time and like we can't join one of these. Like I've seen when they meet and stuff, you know, or like I, this is not an interest that we have here. This is what I want to, I want to, just so you know our heart, it's not to build city group rosters, okay? We're not trying to just say like, look at us, we have more city groups than we did last year. City groups are a means to an end. The, the heart of our church is to, Make room for people to have friendships, to be known, and to grow in intimacy with God the way that he made them to. And so if you can't join a city group, would you prayerfully consider setting up lunch with somebody, um, grabbing a coffee with somebody early in the morning before you go into work, and just say, I, I want to know your story. Like, I, I want to listen. Who are you? Uh, let's build a friendship. We both are people of faith. Like, what does that mean for us? Maybe you need to invite another family. You've been thinking about it, talking about it forever, over for dinner. And you just need to force it on them. You guys are coming over for dinner. This is the night. We're making whatever. Like, let's get you over here. You just want to build friendships. Maybe that's your step. I'm just asking you to choose to expose you and maybe also your family to more of God and his people in your life, to get in more of those spaces. 
Number three, maybe you've been a, a part of our church on Sundays and you're just not really known. Not only can that happen through you serving on Sunday mornings, um, but, but it also is going to happen through you prayerfully consider joining a city group. We have a city group fair out in the hallway right after this that's happening um, from 1130 to noon for at least the next couple Sundays. And we'd love for you to meet leaders, get to know them, ask questions about their group. I have great, great news for you just to put you at ease, okay? Roy mentioned it earlier. It, it bears repeating. We are a date-around church, okay? Like, when you show up to a city group and you walk into somebody's house, they do not have, like, at the dining room table a contract waiting for you to sign and say, like, we're hereby committed, you know, and uh, whatever. Like, that, that's not how it works. We, we want you to go. Think, think of watching a TV show. You watch a few episodes, and then you dip out, right? Like, Maybe you need to just give it a little time and maybe you'll build some chemistry. Maybe you won't. We'd love for you to go and our city group leaders understand people who are walking into their doors in this next month are not necessarily lifers, okay? Um, that's a freedom and a, a, a choice that you have. And uh, maybe this is you, number four. You're currently in a city group or you're all in at our church but you can't join any groups because there's no options that work for you. Would you prayerfully consider starting a new city group for people just like you or a new huddle? I want you to read the words with me again of the Great Commission. But we're going to read the two verses right before it. Matthew 28, 16 and 17. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And listen to this. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. In this text, Jesus is addressing ordinary men, uneducated men. And not only that, the text notes that some doubted. This means that there were men right there with Jesus on the mountaintop who had witnessed his crucifixion. They'd seen it firsthand. They knew he was buried in the grave for three days. And he's standing right in front of them, risen to new life. And they still are wrestling with doubt and uncertainty. Do you feel like you might be in good company if you wrestle with doubt or uncertainty? This could be you. And I want you to know, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to know how to explain or teach all the truths. You don't have to have a seminary degree. Maybe you've never led something like this before. Listen, same, same text, Matthew 28, the last verse. Behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. God can use available and willing people. He can work with even a weak yes. Why? Because disciple-making in the local church is not based on our wavering faith. It's based on the unwavering authority and power of Jesus Christ. Disciple-making in our church is about facilitating, making way for not your ministry, it's the Holy Spirit's ministry. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the growth. We plant, we water, we trust God with the results. Are you seeing this? This is what this means. This means the question is not, can you teach? The question is not, can you answer? The question is not, can you defend? The question is, do you trust God and do you love people? That's the question. Do you trust God and do you love people? 
This is how disciples of Jesus are known by the world. Our love, our hospitality. And here's the thing, you can do it and we can help. Talk to us today about leading, launching a city group or a huddle. Finally, let me just ask the question. What is the cost if we do not step into this more as a church? What's at stake here, y'all? I would say first is wasted calling. There is a demonic lie that sweeps the American church like nobody's business, and it comes in the form of three words. Someone else will. Someone else will open their home. Someone else will serve in kids. Someone else will invest in students. Someone else will set up and tear down. Someone else will lead a city group. Someone else will start a huddle. Someone else will lie from the pit of hell. What if God has called you? What if he's invited you with a calling and a gifting on your life to participate in making disciples? You don't have to be a leader, but you cannot be a bystander. I think number two is wasted opportunity. Listen, there are people sitting in your row right now People who are showing up here last week, this week, the next week, the next week. We're going to see new families coming into our church. It's that time of year, y'all. Some of you are brand new this morning. And you're asking the question, will they receive me? Will they help me? Will they pray for me? Will they encourage me? Will they befriend me? There are people who are sitting around you right now who they need a simple invitation to a city group or a huddle. And it would change their life. It would change their life. They'll look back and thank you for being the person that made that sacrifice and say, God, yes, I'll do it. What would happen with opportunities if we just devoted ourselves to a few things? Um, Number three is wasted legacy. Statistics show that more and more kids leave the church when they're out of the house and off to college. I come bearing that burden personally because I worked in collegiate ministry for seven years. And there were no shortage of students that I met who the priority of the church growing up for them was sporadic Sunday attendance. And I say sporadic because there were sports events, youth events, whatever it might have been. I think we need to understand that our children, whom God has entrusted to us, they catch this, they see this, they internalize this. And they sense how important the family of God is to their parents compared to their involvement in other things. And I know that that might strike hard. You might feel like I'm on the attack, but here's the thing. If our children never see us invested in the body of Christ and the family of God beyond just sitting in a seat on a Sunday morning, can we blame them? Why would we be surprised by that? So, Here's one thing I want to end with, and that is this. Um, It's a quote from a guy named Mike Breen. And this is is just what I want us to internalize in parting today. If you make a church, you rarely get disciples. If you make disciples, you always get the church. God, we ask right now that you would burden hearts in exactly the way that you want to. We pray that there would be a nudging from your Holy Spirit toward a next step of faith for the individuals and the families here. 
God, I ask that your kindness would lead us to make these decisions. God, we pray that we would be a disciple-making beast as a church because we want to honor you, Jesus. And there is no greater joy than to walk with other people as we walk with you and to do it together as a family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.